morning, everyone. Um, thank you for tuning in, and uh, I hope you all accept that the first episode was merely the trailer for this episode. Um, promises, promises, and this is a promise kept. Um, hope you're all doing well. Um, so, I said on our little trailer episode um, that I was going to be talking about contact um, and sort of revisiting it after I'd done a little bit more, um, after I'd attended a conference, after I'd gone out to my network um, and after hearing back from a whole host of different stories and um, information from other adopters. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about what I'd learned um, and again give you a, a sort of an, an update on on what's happening in, in our world with with contact. Um, so starting with um, the sort of the feedback that I've been getting from adopters I guess. Um, so I, I went out to um, our network for our latest um, adopter voice questionnaire and I've asked the question um, about we've been looking at contact and we've we've asked three key questions and those questions were um, what level of contact do you currently have in place um, obviously that that allowed for multiple responses um, next question was would you like to increase decrease or keep the same level of contact in place and add comments should you wish and then finally what has worked for you or not worked for you with regards to contact um so we got a really, really positive amount of responses for, for that one. Um, and it was really interesting reading, reading where people were at, reading some of the struggles that people have had and how they've gone on to deal with those. Um, it was also really nice seeing some, some really positive stories too, um, because there were some there were some lovely stories about contact um, and some lovely experiences, which was was really really good to read. Um, so, of of the people that responded, around seventy percent of the respondents said that the contact they have in place was. Um, was the preferred method and they were happy with that and wanted to just keep at that. Didn't really want to increase it, didn't feel the need, but didn't want to decrease either. Um, so that, that felt nice that, you know, people were in a place where they said, you know, it's working. So we'll, we'll stick to what we've got. Um, so then 
looking at the results as well, the the biggest, as you would expect, the, the biggest amount of responses that we got were from people that had um, letterbox um, in place. And then it moved sort of gradually lower as you went gradually higher up the scale of contact. So as you move more into face-to-face with birth parents or grandparents or other siblings, there were less people that had that in place, um, which, like I said, you'd expect that to be the case. Um, Then when it came to what has worked and what hasn't worked, that's when it got really quite interesting. Um, I, I had to sort of categorise the responses um, and look at... Don't worry, that beeping is my car. It's not a bomb about to go off. <laughs> um, so we then looked... I, I sort of categorised the responses of, you know, what whether they'd had a positive experience with um, social services whether they'd had a negative experience with social services, um, if the thing that wasn't working was that birth parents weren't responding, um, if they'd had a positive experience in general, um, if they wanted to increase what they had with um, siblings, but either keep the same or decrease what they had with birth families, and categories like that. From that, the resounding response was actually people offering really positive feedback um, and really positive experiences of contact, which I thought was really, really refreshing, really lovely to see that people had some nice experiences to share and some positive experiences to share. That was really nice. Um, Sadly, the next biggest um, sort of response were people saying that um, birth parents had stopped responding and that this was causing frustration. Um, and I, I, I get that. I genuinely do that that would cause a whole host of frustration, a whole host of difficulties and, and challenges as well. So I'm yeah, fully aware. Um there was there was also quite a lot of comments um surrounding risk. Um people were saying, you know, I would do more, but there's a significant risk or safeguarding concern for my child or my family. So I'm not, I don't feel safe to do more. So they, they were our, our findings. Um, and I met with my board last night and we, we spoke about these findings and we spoke about what, what our recommendations to our board would be and our alliance would be. And the discussion that we had around contact was, was, it was really good. Um, and it was really interesting to get the entire board's sort of perspective and, and thoughts. Um, 
we spent a lot of time talking about how frustrating it is or would be if birth parents are not responding. And this linked into some um, some stuff that I'd learned at the conference as well, but I'll, I'll see if I can bring that back in later on. Um, but we talked about um, the challenges there. And um, what we talked about was, you know, adopters are given a lot of support and training on contact, the importance of contact. Um, they have social workers that can talk to them about these letters. Um, are birth parents given the same? Now, in, in, in some agencies, yes, they are. In in a lot of cases, are birth parents able to accept that help from social services, the people that have, for all intents and purposes, taken their child? Um, now, I know, I know that that's a deeper thing, um, and I know that there's more to it, but from their perspective, that's how they're going to look at it. They're not going to trust a social worker, so how could they possibly ask that person for help? So it would be a challenge, I guess. Um, and then there's the consideration of um, sort of learning ability. What if this person who you're writing to doesn't actually have the capacity to read or write? Um, again, are they able to ask for help? Are they confident enough to say to someone, I don't have this skill? Then we talked about the emotional experience that that person would go through each time that that letter arrives and they read it the emotional strain of of putting pen to paper to write a response I know certainly in those early days when it came time for me to write to little dude's mum I know I found that emotionally challenging you know the, the first letter that I wrote I said you know how do you write a letter to someone you've never met when their child is sleeping in your home and is slowly becoming your child, how on earth do you start writing that letter? And if we're flipping that to live in this, in, in an empathetic world, how do these birth families pick up a pen, write a letter to someone that either they've met once or they've never met, and they've only ever been told about you, and they know hardly anything about you, and put a letter together. What do they say? That must be really, really challenging. Because whilst we're writing our letters and we're able to talk and say, oh, you know, these are some of the experiences we're having, this is some of the things we're doing, they're not having those experiences. And sometimes they're still living in very chaotic worlds. And, and actually, 
they've not got many good stories to share. So how can they respond? So what we talked about as a board and what we're going to be talking about as a recommendation is adding further additional support to um, adopters. Obviously, we're going to recommend um, that further expansion of knowledge for adopters is given in as much as let's let's talk about what agencies do to support birth families, um, but also let them know what the challenges could be and how they could be faced. Um, but we said, actually, perhaps, perhaps this is a subject that should be revisited and offer like a two, three hour workshop um, six months into a placement. Uh, so when it's time for you to write your first letter or meet the birth family, let's let's sit and have a conversation about how this looks and, and, and what what is safe contact, what works and what fears do you now have? Let's see if we can alleviate them. Um, so, so that's a recommendation that we're going to make that actually it's something that adopters get to go back to and come back to the table to discuss it. Um, because we said, you know, in a, in a lot of circumstances, adopters are very, very quick to say, yes, I can handle this. Yes, I will do that. But actually when, when it turns out that this is your contact agreement, you're not so comfortable anymore. So if you had a top up session at that point, you could actually talk about that and address that and, and, and be honest again that's where it's got to stand. It's got to stand in the world of honesty. You've got to be honest about what you're not happy about because we, for our discussion, we said, you know, if if all adopters sit in a room and say, yes, I'm happy and go ahead and sort of sign up to these agreements and then sort of actually don't feel happy and then don't engage with contact, social workers haven't got the capacity, they haven't got the resources to be able to knock on your door and say, hey, clearly you've got a problem with contact, let's sit and talk. They haven't got the resources to do that and they haven't got uh, a sort of a seeing eye um, crystal ball to be able to tell them, okay, there's an issue here. So they've got to go on what we're saying. So if it's got to come down to us being honest. It's got to come down to us actually saying, do you know what, this is what my problem is and this is why. And if we do that more, if we feedback more on why we have that problem, it gives social services a better chance at finding a solution. But they can't find a solution if they don't know what the problem is. So the onus comes back to us. We do need to be quicker to share our honesty here um and talk about that so that's going to be a, a finding um another recommendation as well um which was made by our newest member of the board 
they talked about um, language barriers. They said, you know, we could be writing in English. What happens if English is not this their family's first language? What happens if they can't read or write in that language? Who's who's translating that for them? And how does that translation work? Um, and I hadn't even given that a moment's thought. I hadn't even considered that as an issue. But of course it's an issue. Of course it's a, a problem. So we're going to be, again, commenting on that and, and raising that as a as a finding. But I found through that conversation alone, it was fascinating to hear people's perspectives, where they're at, what their expectations were, um, and what what was what was blocking people, what was stopping them from from taking this further. Um, so, so that was, yeah, that was a really interesting one. Then, um, we had, we had the conference, um, and the conference was surrounding the concept of modernising adoption with a focus on contact. Um, how does contact look? What's in place? What can we do better? And and that was a big question. What could we be doing better? Because it's naive to think that we've got it all right. Um, so, at this conference, we had um, we had a lady um, up speaking who was working with Beth Neal's team who has done various studies into contact and how it works and doesn't work, what the expectations are. Um, but they've done studies and had support from adoptees as well. Um, and they were sharing sharing that feedback. And that was really, really interesting um, because they'd studied and spoken with a number of adoptive families, birth families. Um, they'd spoken with adoptees and they'd worked really hard to get sort of a 360 view of contact. Um, and the findings were, were really interesting. The paramount thing that, that I saw sort of coming out was contact, it, it relied on two big factors. Factor number one was the birth family needed to accept adoption. Um, now, when I say they need to accept adoption, 
that doesn't mean they have to be happy about adoption. It just means that they have to accept that this this is happening. Um, and the second factor was adopters and their openness to contact. And once again, this doesn't mean that adopters have um, sort of gone ahead and said, yeah, I'll do everything, and they are doing everything. It's to say that they are open to different possibilities, looking at it in a different way, um, accepting that there are other alternatives, and the more open you are to contact, the better it's all going to be. What this study also found was how open... The more open an adopter was to contact, the stronger the relationship they had with their child or children. Um, and the better bond and trust was in place for those families. Um, now, I, I kind of assumed that that would be the case, but it was really good to see that sort of on paper it was good to see that that had actually been kind of proven um which was really really nice um and it offers us the opportunity to share that further and wider um now at this conference i was invited to be um, to sit on the panel um, and get asked some questions from from the group, and and the room was largely filled with um, social workers, um, and the questions that they had were were really cool. Um, but a question that we were asked um, was sort of what what do we think we could do to improve contact. And I actually said that I think, again, we need to look at the language that we're using and we need to look at the approach and we need to challenge a little bit more. Now, by that, what I'm saying is when I went to my first information event, contact was not something I'd ever heard of or thought of. And when I did first hear about it, it scared the life out of me. And I was like, oh, I hadn't even realised this was a thing. And now that I do realise this is a thing, I don't think I'm happy about it. I don't like this as an idea. Um, so, but then we were told, you know, it's likely that you'll have face-to-face -face contact with um, siblings who have been adopted as well. Um, and you'd write letters to the birth family. And when it's presented that way, you kind of sit there and go, well, actually do you know what that makes sense you know i i can i can easily write a write a letter that's easy and seeing the siblings well that's not scary because they're in the same situation as us so why wouldn't i do that so the way it's presented you kind of accept it and i suggested that actually we need to change the language and start at a, a little bit more of an extreme place and from the get-go talk to adopters and say there's a possibility that you're going to have face-to-face -face contact with the birth family. 
start there and say, that's one possibility. Another option is you might be looking at writing letters. But I think we need to start preparing adopters for that as a possibility. Um, one agency leader said, you know, I, I worry that we would get a lot of very scared adopters and they would run for the door if we suggested that. And I'm going to challenge that comment. And some of you may not like the way that I challenged this comment, but I said, then I would question whether they are the type of adopters you want to take forward. The reason I'm saying that, I've seen the studies, I've seen the reactions, I've seen the highs and the lows. I know, I know that contact is important to our children. So whilst it scares you and whilst it is scary, if we are not open to adoption, uh, to contact, and we're not open to challenging our own thinking, then no, I, d I don't think that adoption is the right option for you. Because that's a factor. It's a part of it. And we need to get used to that as a, as a, as a, a piece of our work as parents. Um, over the, the conference, we talked again, we talked about why, why we have this expectation of our birth families to be able to pick up that pen. Um, the, the study um, where they'd looked at um, and spoken to other birth families. They talked to birth families that had said, you know, I open that letter, I read that letter, and I have all of those letters there all of the time. I just can't write back. It hurts too much. And I think... I think we have a responsibility as parents to have an understanding that you could write and write and write and never ever hear anything back. And that will be really hard and you are gonna need to explain that to your child and that's gonna be really hard. But I feel that if those birth families are not writing back, I feel that it helps us to tell that story. It helps fit into the narrative where we can talk to people, talk to our children and say, look, you know that they're living in a chaotic lifestyle. You know that they're living in a chaotic world. The fact that they can't write back to us is just further evidence of that. And it will just help with that narrative. And as challenging as that may be for them, it helps you to be able to talk about that and say, look, this is this is where we're where we're at and this is where they're at. I think as well, and this is just how I look at it. I think as well it's about can you can you talk to your child when they're 16 and 8 or 18 or however old and they look at their file and they see that you stopped contact or didn't engage it or didn't engage well with it, 
Are you able to justify that to your child? Can you explain that behavior to your child and know that they will accept your reasoning? If you feel confident enough that your decision is right and it's for the right purposes and for the right reasons and you feel like you can present that to your child when the time is right, then maybe that is the right decision for your family. But if there's a seed of doubt that that might not go the way that you want it to go, I would suggest that whenever there is doubt, there is no doubt. (laughs) Um, Go with your gut that if you think that you won't be able to explain that properly, it's probably not the right decision right now. We talked about um, contact being fluid, um, talked about how it could change and adapt over time and, and see what could be di- done differently over time. Um, I think that's important. I think there's a real poignant message of it doesn't have to just be this just because that's how it started. The other thing I talked about um, was how I think social workers and social services as a whole are very risk averse and they need to start actually pushing back and asking themselves, are they doing enough? Are they setting up the right agreements? Are they putting in the right path for these children, these families? They their go-to is to just put letterbox in place. That's a go-to. Well, why? Because for a lot of families that I've spoken to, face-to-face contact with birth grandparents or birth aunts and uncles is invaluable. Well, why aren't we looking at that? And are we looking at that for every single case? I don't think we are. So I challenged social workers and said, I think that you need to do more there. I think you need to look at this from a broader spectrum. Then we moved on to the conversation about risk um, and safeguarding and things like that. And a particular social worker um, made a really good point. He said, you know, yes, there are risks and yes, there are dangerous circumstances. And our families, our birth families are a lot of them are living in very dangerous worlds. He said, but instead of just looking at that and saying, there's a risk, therefore we won't do it, why not say, there's a risk, how can we manage it? What can we do to keep everyone safe? Um, the other kind of thing. I mean, we also, we were joined by um, Peggy and Laura from Two Good Mums, who we met on the show. And they shared their story. So again, if you've not heard it, I need you to go over to uh, check out Two Good Mums. It's a podcast. It's fantastic. Um, it's a birth mum and an adoptive mum, and it's their story of of contact. Um But we talked about, well, why does it always have to be a letter? Why couldn't it be something different? Why couldn't we change this? I talked about 
how if you've got families that are struggling to read and write, why aren't we able to record an audio file? Now, it doesn't have to be us as the adopters. If you were concerned that your voice might be recognisable, I don't know, then we could send a letter to social services, send a letter that we want to send, and they could read it as an audio file and send that across to our birth families. So our birth families can hear that and they can hear your letter and they can then record a response. Why can't we do something like that? What would be the risk there? What would be the fear? Again, you could ensure that you hadn't said anything dangerous. You could ensure that it was checked. But that makes it a lot more accessible. Um, following my conversation with um, Peggy and Laura, it made me realise that our contact was probably quite dated. So I reached out to our post-adoption team and said, hey, I'd be open to adapting our contact and changing it to email format. And they got in touch with little dude's mum and we put this in place. And I've got a generic email address um, and we've swapped emails and we now email, I would say it's probably like every other week. Um, but when I do, it's like a one-liner. Um, you know, the other day I was chatting to a little dude and I, I snapped a, a photo of him when he was really, really laughing. He's got a, a beautiful laugh and a really, such a wonderful smile. And I captured it. When I sent that across to his mum, I said, look, you know, I managed to capture him mid-smile. Whilst you can't hear his laugh, you can see how how much he is smiling. And she was she was really chuffed. She was like, oh, that's really lovely. Thank you very much. Um, a couple of days ago, she sent me a picture and she said, oh, here's an updated photo of me. I thought that it might be nice for little dude to, to have an updated photo of me. I showed him last night and he was like, oh. Well, that's quite a nice photo, actually. It's not how I imagined her. Um, I was asked recently, you know, was I worried that I'd get inundated with messages and things like that? Um, I suppose it was a factor in my mind. I, I suppose it was something that I thought about might happen. But again, I then had control over it. I, you know, I, I could still sort of like say, well, I'm, I'm only going to respond when I want to respond. Um, but but no, it's it's actually given our relationship, it's made my relationship with little dude's mum so much stronger. It's made us able to talk more informally. And I can just update her about little things. Instead of this whole, I have to write twice a year and I have to sum up all of the significant stuff that's going on. Instead, I can just tap in and out. I mean, it's made it easier. It's made it so much nicer. Because even me, who is open to contact and is really excited about contact, I struggled with the letters because it's like, well, what do you write? And are you going to just spend all your time just bragging about how great your life is? 
are you going to come off really horribly? So now it's informal and it's nice. And she's telling us more about herself and it's it's really nice to get to know her more. So, yeah, I think we all need to just be a little bit more open to it. I heard a really, really upsetting fact um, from one particular agency. They said one third of their contact or letterboxes that they had in place, one third of them had stopped because the adopters had stopped writing and made their decision to stop it altogether. Of course, there will be circumstances built within that and woven into that. But a third letterbox is stopping because adopters stopped it. I think we should do better. I think we should challenge it. And like I said, I think we have to have the... It's our duty to talk to social workers and say, I want to stop it because of this. And maybe you've got a good reason. Maybe you have. But they need to be aware of it and they need to know why. That then feeds into all of the work that they're doing so as they can work out how to make it better. I think we have a responsibility here. Um, so I hope that's been interesting. Um, like I said in our trailer episode, Contact is going to, it's going to be there. I'm going to be talking about this a lot and always will because it's, it's a, it's a factor, isn't it? It's, it's something that's always changing. So I'm, I, I can't imagine this will be the last time I talk about contact. Um, but I hope it's been interesting. Um, if you've got any thoughts, feelings, if you disagree with some of the things that I've said, excellent. Talk to me about it. If you'd like to come on and have a chat with me and have a debate about contact, Let's go. Let's let's see what we can do, because it could be that we could all learn something. The only way we ever learn is if if we're challenging people's thoughts and, and processes. So if you feel that what I've said here doesn't resonate, but you've got a, a, a reason for that, let's let's talk about it, because I'd love it if if I could sort of have that conversation and learn some more. Um, I see that I have a responsibility to help the the sort of the adoption community to to strive to be our best so maybe i'm missing something um or maybe i haven't included something i talked about something so come on and uh, and have a chat um but as always thank you for listening um if you have a story that you'd like to share let me know um until then and until next time thank you for listening <laughs>